Good afternoon. I, um, whether it was a mistake or not to watch Trevor Phillips' documentary on the way down here this morning, but I certainly got his thoughts ringing in my brain, because I think actually I possibly might be saying some similar things. And uh, I've kind of got this yellow tie, almost as a, a as a representation of the Liberal Democrat Party, almost to deliberately say that I'm being the opposite of that, and a critique of liberalism in a sense. So, although I started my work looking at attainment, actually one of the things that came out as a result of the What Works project, and this Thomas the report from the first one, was this notion of belonging. And that, that notion of belonging really, really has intrigued me, and has kind of set my own uh, research direction. So, actually, just going back a sec, how many of you in the room, a show of hands, work in institutions, if you work in a university, where more than 80% of your students are white? Okay, so, so not many. So that's the context that my research is within, just to give you the physics. So, just under 84% of the students at this university, this isn't, it isn't my current university, uh, that I did the research in, were white, and about 16% or so from black and white ethnic backgrounds. And we have the typical gaps of achievement, attainment, whatever you want to call it, and that's the, this background context, so just to put that in, into perspective. And as Camille mentioned, I'm working through my doctorate, so these sorts of ideas are very much, I'm thinking these through. This, and this is an opportunity for me to test some of these ideas on you and, think, and if you want to shout abuse me and tell me I'm completely wrong, that's great. I'm open to that. But there are three things that have really kind of struck me as I've been doing this process. It's that the, the wider debate, outside of, of circles like this where people are really interested in, in being maintained, in the wider academic community, you know, when we talk about inclusivity, when we talk about engagement, they, they often ignore race and, and what Trevor Phillips was saying, you know, in the sense that we can't talk about race in this country, and I'm using the word race here on purpose rather than sort of ethnicity or whatever, anything else. Um, because of that, the second point that struck me is, and I think this has come up a, a number of times, is the importance of the localised context. So for me, that, that is a very predominantly white institution that this research took place in, and how that is different to some of the institutions that you might be working, and therefore the implications might be different. And the one that is really currently vexing me at the moment in my current institution, whose, whose website and whole sort of ethos is plastered around the student experience, as though there was some sort of singular monolithic student experience that we could improve upon. And as you can imagine, it drives me absolutely bonkers. But actually what I want to end with is to sort of look at that in, in the context of my own research and the varied ways that students feel their belonging and how they, they navigate their way through university. And so, starting from, from that Thomas argument, you know, early belonging helps retention. That was identified in the report. A strong sense of belonging is important, and it derives from engagement. I could argue the other way around. I think there's an element which belonging and engagement work in a two-way process. And it's nurtured through mainstream academic activities. That, was, that felt to me quite like a strong thing, you know, this, this kind of post-racial one. Um, and when we look at the inclusivity literature and the reports on the higher education academy website and so on, 
is we get told that an inclusive approach is that shift away from supporting specific groups towards equality being embedded and treated as an ongoing process. But as you mentioned, that's lovely in theory, but it's not the world we live in. And so I have some real issues then. We're following this line. What we actually do is we can conveniently forget all the nuances and difficulties and, and, and so on. And as I was writing this presentation, the NUS wrote a piece, a journalist at the NUS, Maria, wrote a piece which kind of really sums up my, my, my issues, um, is that universities love to highlight how inclusive and diverse they are. And yet what we find is that the content of the courses, as we've just been hearing, the things we've been taught are not inclusive or diverse. You know, it's Eurocentric writers and thinkers. But I think it goes beyond, beyond the curriculum. And for me, one of the particular things is the interaction between academic staff and students. And that's the one, I think, where belonging comes in. It's very centred on the interaction between students and students and between students and staff. And we've, we had a discussion in a meeting beforehand about student engagement and, and a lot of work that's been done, particularly in the United States, around student engagement. And so I borrowed the model of Koo and colleagues who identified five practices that create student engagement in their book. And I draw on this because I'm an academic developer. I work with academics across the institution to try and improve their learning and teaching practices. And one of the things we draw on is, is Chicken and Gamson's literature review from the 90s. And, and it chimes very much with that. So it's a nice, easy connection for the staff who work on it. On my new lectures, um, who are my new lectures course. And so we talk about all these things. If we're going to create student engagement, we want a supportive campus environment, we want student staff interaction, this is American literature, um, active collaborative learning, enriching education experiences, and academic challenge. And that's great. Except for when you start to look at the literature around race, these things start to unravel. So while these may be true across the piece, they actually start to become problematic when we look at race. And so we can see that whatever a non-traditional student may be, and how we define that, I'm not going to get into that argument, but those non-traditionals often report a hostile campus environment. The, the survey that the NUS did in 2012 found that 16% of black students in that survey had experience with racism. Given the, the nature of universities, that is a shockingly high figure. You know, it might be low, maybe, in wider society, we might not be so concerned, but I think that, that is shockingly high figure for a university context. The universities have pride themselves on being these inclusive places. And so the quote at the bottom, trying to illustrate this, is from my own research, this is from an interview with a student, where, even where it was relevant, so she was talking about different um, colloquialisms and language, um, she felt that the lecturers shied away from race. You know, there was a element of self-censorship when it came to talking about race and race in the classroom, and how uncomfortable academic staff were in dealing with that. So there's an issue about whose engagement. And, and do we really have supportive campus environments for certain groups of students? 
when we talk about student-staff interaction, there's a whole thing. There's that I keep hearing every, everywhere I go about unconscious bias and people trying to put in place unconscious bias training programs and so on. Um, and one of the problems is the leaky pipeline in, in, in kind of academia is that even at an institution where I used to work, it, uh, BME students were overrepresented compared to the population of the country. So, but of course, as we know, we go through the system. By the time you get into PhDs, by the time you get into academic staff, by the time you get into professors, that proportion from that BME backgrounds just gets lower and lower and lower and lower at each stage in the process. So, we have a student and staff body demographic which are different. So even within an institution that is more than 80% white students, there's still more than 90% white staff. So we've still got a difference in, in demographics. And I thought this one, language and, and how language connotes all sorts of things about class, nationality, gender, race, and so on, is, you know, that, that was one of the, the quotes that really kind of pulled me up, fairly short. And that's not a nice, I've heard that more than once now. So, okay. So we have some, for me, some really problematic staff-student interactions. And if you say that the academic member of staff is one of the crucial things about getting a student through, we have a problem with some of our staff, I think. I'm not going to sugarcoat that one. And if we look at some of the others, we, we know this tendency, and this was one, uh, another thing that Phillips talked about in terms of our housing. You know, the areas of London, which are this community, the Jewish community live here, the, the Somali community live here, and so on and so on. And this tendency, natural human tendency, to form homophilic groups. And so, you have an example here of a student saying, okay, so the lecture actually mixed us up, gave us that environment, then a break comes along, so this is an all-afternoon or an all-day session. A break comes along, and students gravitate back to their same race groups. And, and this was in the context of about seven or eight black African students in a class of predominantly white students. And so saying, well, we, we try to mix, but they don't want to mix with us. Um, and she, she went on to talk about a time when a lecturer came into the session and said, oh, look, we've got all the black students sitting there together. Failing to acknowledge, as the student points out in the interview, but there's a whole white group of white students over there, and another group of white students over there. Oh, yes, and there's another group of white students over there. That's, that's not mentioned or noted because, of course, that's the norm. What is noted when, is when black students sit together. <coughs> So, again, that, that member of staff is saying some pretty damaging things in terms of their relationship to the student. And, and this one, of course, is well documented throughout all sectors of, of education, the expectation one. Um, and and in, in my own work, the students sort of said, all, all her friends, we're two, two students. That's how we're perceived. And, and so... That's how lecturers perceive us, that's how we then start to perceive ourselves. How do we get out of that? How do we become two one students? And she goes on to say, I've got I no idea. I don't know what it is I need to do. I feel I've been put into a box and labelled that that's where I am. And so, 
the academic challenge is different depending on your race. You know, the expectations that staff have on you is differentiated. So on all those, on all those levels of Ku's model, I think there are problems when we break it down uh, um, on race. So I, I am very concerned that if we take a kind of very inclusive approach, we just end up perpetuating the status quo. But if we don't specifically consider <coughs> race and, and other, other dimensions, um, then this becomes highly problematic. The second point is the, the role of the institutional context. And I think that's come through quite a few times from other people in the questions and discussions that we've had earlier in the day. So in the context of this institutional research, Sean Harper's concept of onlyness was pertinent, where you have a student saying, I am the only one in my class from my background, particular ethnic background. And so then that becomes quite a, a characteristic of that student's relationship with the institution. And, and Ku talks about having you know, a diverse environment being good for students. But who, who, for whom is there a diverse environment? For, in this case, for the BME students at this institution, I suppose you could argue it was a diverse environment. For the white students, it wasn't. Because, for, for BME students, they were, by their very nature, had to interact with people from different groups. Yet, a white student at this university could easily spend three years talking to nobody else but white people. So their, their experience of diversity at the same institution is radically different. And so, you know, the importance of that institutional context and so, as a result of that research, I think we came up with a number of recommendations that would be very institutionally specific and might not work at all in your context. So we, we had some of the more general ones that I think I've seen across the literature and what is recommended. But we had some, like the BME student advisor one, and this came from, from BME staff and students, um, and was prompted by a student saying... I went to counselling, but essentially all the student support services were white staff. And, and she went with an issue of saying, I just, it just got too frustrating for me. Because the issue I wanted to talk about were being dismissed. As you, you're overreacting, it's not about this, it's something else. And she got very, very frustrated with that. And so it was felt that it, at this institution that there was a lack of awareness in the student support services around particular, particular issues. And, and the same with personal tutors. You know, where a situation where personal tutors were allocated randomly to students. And actually, you then start to think, is that the best approach, given the student body we have and the staff body that, that that institution had? And so, these might not be things you, you might say in your context, that's not going to work for us because our context is very different. And I completely agree. And so what I'm trying to say here is that in that particular context, what works was very contextualized to the, the specifics of the institutional context. 
And if you don't do the research in your own institution, how do you know which things are, are going to be that highly contextualised? And I think one of the really great things that I loved about doing this in this institution was how they really took it on board and they wanted to find out the answers. And my final one um, is, is looking at the variety of strategies of belonging. So the students that were interviewed were second, third years or postgraduates. In other words, they were students who had succeeded in higher education to some extent already. So they got through their first year as undergraduates, or they already had a degree. So you could consider these successful students. So what is it that they were trying to understand how they negotiated um, the environment? Now, these three terms, I, I had all sorts of trouble trying to think up a word to, to represent the ideas. And these are highly tentative, and if you've got better suggestions, I'm more than welcome to, to hear them. Um, but it struck me, there were, there were in the research uh, interviews that I had, there were three quite distinctive strategies. And the participants of this research, due to the nature, I think possibly my excellent research assistant, were largely um, black women. And trying to illustrate what I mean by those concepts might take me a whole half hour anyway, so I've just got to try to find an illustrative quote to highlight the different approaches. Any thoughts or comments on that? I did blank out the university. I didn't know what the university was. There's a lot of resonance with my research because I had a, a, a Bangladeshi student, uh, origin student, and she said that I don't want to join Islamic society. Because I don't want to participate in that, uh, you know, all of us clap together. I want to, uh, and she said she felt that she didn't belong in the university. But she uh, joined some volunteer and conservation groups and stuff like that. And she said, people said, you know, join the Islamic society. And she said, no, I, I don't mind. Uh, I want to uh, have a, you know, in, interact with all kinds of people. Yeah. So. I work at a predominantly white university, and often when we talk about post-92 university, we talk about high um, ethnic entry in a very kind of negative way. I'm just wondering if students actually internalize that mm -hmm. and want to be associated with who they see having the cultural capital rather than. Okay, that's interesting. Actually, this, this unknown university is not post-92, actually, interestingly enough. Um, and this, this context is a post-Mac with a very high entry tariff. So there's it's some interesting different dynamics going on there. But, but that, is, that is somebody who is successful and happy at the institution. Who's thrown herself into 
various activities, traditional student engagement, visible student engagement activities, uh, and is enjoying being at the university. And that's, that was her way of describing it, how she was enjoying it, that, that it was embracing not being in the in-group. The second one, which I'd kind of classify as academic, is that strong focus, I think, drawing on, well, if you just get your head down and do well, then people can't throw these stereotypes at me because I'm actually achieving and I'm doing well, I'm getting A's and stuff. Let me read. So in other words, you try and invert the stereotypes of low expectations by just getting your head down and doing well, so they can't be true for me. And, and uh, times giving advice to other students about, you just have to pester your lecturers, they might not want to talk to you, they might not, you know, you just have to keep going until you get back, until you get those grades, until you get the succeeding. Uh, an interesting thing, I, as, as you were talking, I, I, a student who sort of said, um, one of her best memorable pieces of assessment was being able to do it on um, an, a, an African Nobel laureate um, as somebody who inspired her. And, and, but, but you could have imagined that being quite risky if the lecturer wasn't happy to, to accept that. But luckily in this particular case, the lecturer did accept it, found it really interesting, was open to that diversity. The student actually loved doing the assignment and got an A grade. But there is that risk that you were talking about in going, in going outside that. Uh, and the final one, which I've labelled advocacy. I'm not sure it comes through so clearly in the quote, but it certainly comes through in the interviews as a holistic. So I think that's maybe someone exploring their identity and the boundaries of their identity and how they fit into certain academic communities and so on. But I think the, the point here is that even from just this small sample of, of students, I think you can see from those quotes very different approaches to how they kind of try to fit in and get on in university. And you know, so we go back to the beginning. If we talk about the student experience, if we talk about lumping it all together, and actually, I'm, I'm obviously wearing my hat as a very qualitative researcher and have some serious issues with, with doing large numbers and what they actually mean. I know they have very powerful in terms of policy context. But you know, the lumping together of groups and so on, you miss the real subtlety and nuance of the fact that even students who you might say are, I don't know, they might all be black African women who are under 25. So on all the boxes, they look the same, and yet they have very, very different ways of negotiating university. So I'm sorry I don't have an answer for that, but I'm just, I'm just, it just worries me if we get too essentialist about this. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and don't actually recognise just the diversity within the diversity, I guess. So, I think, for me, without doing institutional research in the specific context of where we, our own institutions are, and having worked at four completely different institutions over a fairly short period of time, you see how just how different institutions are. Um, my, you know, I suppose my answer, my only tentative answer is we have to do this within our own institution. We have to understand the complexity within our own institution. Yes, we can learn from the national picture, we can get ideas, we know we can use that to shine the right sorts of lights. But unless we actually look at our institutions quite closely, I don't necessarily think we find the answers we need. So there we go, that was me. Great, let's give it <laughs>